Hi, friends. Welcome to Deep Dive, my brand new podcast born from a desire for critical thought, vulnerability, and awareness. I'm your host, Dana Falsetti, a thinker, a writer, a yoga teacher, an activist, an authenticity agent. Each month, you'll hear from me and my guests, ranging from iconic disruptors to everyday people, all candidly sharing our personal experiences on topics ranging from sexuality to social justice and consciousness to capitalism. Deep Dive is a space to tackle hard-hitting questions and controversial topics in a raw, empathetic, and curious way. And it's my space to rant and ramble freely, no holding back. Let's dive in. Okay, hello. Hey. Hey. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk to you today, finally. I know, right? I feel like, well, we've already talked so much <laughs> so much <laughs> already, but I'm just like, it's never enough. Anyway, so let's just jump right into it. Um, why don't you just introduce yourself? Sure. Okay. I'm um, Sassy Latte on Instagram, and um, I kind of host a space on Instagram for people to have discussions about body politics, sex positivity, um, racial justice, and intersectional feminism. Yeah, love it. And I'm always learning. I mean, I love to follow you because I like to listen. And I'm always learning. And you put out so much information and you put so much information out for free. And I just feel like one of the best things that people can do is just to constantly be listening to the experiences of others and be open to them. And following you has helped me do that. So um, I'm appreciative personally for all of the work that you do. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And so we've talked back and forth about lots of different things, usually me sort of responding to your stories or something that you wrote. And the other day we started talking, I can't remember if you had, you wrote a post or it was something in your story about, we started talking about how sort of your vis visible marginalization, how frustrating it is for that to constantly be the first thing that people see when they look at you right. and how they interact with you. And I would just love to hear your thoughts on that from your perspective. Um, I think it's, it's kind of something that's kind of always changing and evolving. I think we kind of train ourselves to give into the idea that it doesn't matter, but, um, I know that I personally am always black first. I know that when I go places that interactions, the way that people perceive me, even like as a parent or just strolling down the street are wildly different from like my white friends. Um, and sometimes those differences in the ways in which we're perceived and treated happen directly in front of us. Um, the same person within a single interaction will treat us very differently. Um, and so I just, I, I don't know, I just wish there were, there were more conversations about visible, like, body marginalization mm. um, as it ties into body image, as it ties into social justice, as it ties into creating a livelihood for yourself. Because I don't think that people want to have those kinds of discussions about body marginalization. Yeah. I think that people want to have discussions about loving yourself and... Uh, you know, looking good in some clothes and things like that, which I do believe are important. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but I also feel like there are other things like safety. Right. Um, right. I, access I, to therapy and treatment, things like mm -hmm. that, that are like a little bit more in my turn, in my idea, um, is like a little bit more of a priority. 
Totally. Well, and I think it has to be a priority. And I, and I love that you just used the word safe because the next thing that was going to come out of my mouth was that and that I don't think it's really possible. And this is something I've been pondering on because I've personally shifted from entering sort of social media world and like trying to understand what body positivity was like four or five mm. years ago when everything was on the come up. And I totally used to be that it's all about loving your body and it's all about self-love mm -hmm. and that's changed so much for me over the last couple of years and just from listening and understanding what's really going on <laughs> behind the surface yeah, sure. for so many people in these scenarios and the, the concept of safety because I, I'm, I've realized like how, how can you even begin to love your body or why would that ever be a priority if you don't feel safe? in your body and how are you going to love your body when the whole world is constantly either telling you that you're not good enough that you're not worthy systemically discriminating against you non-stop like the list is like endless right. so why would you right. care why would you care about loving your body in that scenario well, I, don't, I think that you know so we're all kind of indoctrinated with the same subliminal messages about how to value ourselves and value others i am um, given the exact same racist narratives that a white person does. The only difference is I don't benefit from those narratives the way that white people do. So I think that it's really interesting because what I don't think people recognize is the ways in which we internalize um, how we should be handling conversations about body image or confidence or social justice. We end up kind of feeding into the narratives that get the most visibility and the most space. And those narratives are all, um, they all have lines directly back to people in places of privilege. Hmm. So for a person who has body privilege, yeah, loving yourself really might open the gateways to a lot of things for you. Um, if you're your own worst enemy and you can kind of break down that barrier, then absolutely your life is going to look drastically different. However, um, I'm not my own worst enemy, mm. um, you know, and so we're all kind of fed that same, that same conversation and we all internalize it, you know, that that's how we know to go about activism. That's how we know to go about conversations regarding body image. Um, the same privileged narratives, we just kind of internalize them and, and repeat them without recognizing that they don't apply to us. Everything you say is so profound. I have both of my... <laughs> I have both of my hands up in the air right now with my fingers <laughs> spread out wide, literally, because everything you say is so profound to me. Like, I, I just I honestly, in all sincerity, feel like in the last year, reading what you put out has just it it has changed my my mind has changed about so much of this because I have been so blinded by my own privilege. And I, I have one sort of tick away being in a fat body, but I have a whole long list of other privileges that has led me to that exact place that you just talked about where it's like, in a lot of ways, I am my, my own worst enemy. I mean, there are other levels to that. And there are ways in which society certainly interacts with me in ways that are a long list of bullshit. Um, but I've heard myself use that narrative. And I'm, I'm now I'm like diving into that thinking, I, I, I love that you're saying this because it also then puts the responsibility of something that is not your responsibility back right. onto you when right. that's not the yeah. case for you. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, I have a lot of conversations about that because I feel like that's a really tricky thing to navigate. Um, I talk a lot like on my page and, you know, on Patreon um, about 
you know, whose responsibility is it to break down some of these barriers and how should we be going about it? On the one hand, um, people in marginalized bodies do not have, you know, that sort of like, I don't know, systemic power or leverage to cultivate safety and access to rights and resources. Like we don't have that kind of power to create that for ourselves. Um, We need, you know, people who do have that power to kind of step up and start, you know, breaking down some of those barriers. Um, But then on the other hand, interacting in that way still lends a lot of power to people in places of privilege. Right. Um, And so, like, I always find myself trying to figure out, like, what is the best way to navigate that? I don't want, uh, you know, white people talking about racial justice because that's a conversation that should be dominated by POC experiences. Mm. However, POC don't have the power to um, create racial equity. So right. what what do we do? You know, I feel that way about a lot of marginalized communities where it's like, of course, the face of, of these of this revolution needs to look like somebody representative of that community. However, that community in and of itself is also at the same time powerless against, you know, the systemic oppression totally against them. Well, and I think that and this is where you start to get into conversations about can you be a true ally if you're in that ultimate position of privilege and like in a smaller way in the yoga and wellness world I've struggled with navigating this over the last few years in terms of visibility and how much you're going to allow yourself if at all to be tokenized in order to be heard or to be represented but is that just counteracting what you're trying to do because you're doing it in a way that relies on the privilege that you need to get the voice out there but what do you do when (laughs) your voice is not heard or valued i mean you could say the same thing as the most privileged person and whose voice is going to be heard more and who's going to have more value and weight to what they say so how do you like how do you even begin to fill that gap and i don't have I, i don't have the answer i certainly don't have the answer either i think it's um I guess for me, when it comes to allyship, because I do believe that allies are valuable. I do believe that there are people who genuinely want to um, to work in partnership with marginalized communities. Um, however, what I see is that people don't take care of themselves first. I feel like in order to be an ally, you really have to like do the work on yourself before you can aid another person or community. And what I see is people are so focused on being saviors that they're not working on their own privilege enough to know when they're being an ally while simultaneously inflicting a lot of oppression and harm. Mm. Um, And so I see so many people kind of like, it's like a dance where it's like they're doing something that's really great. And then on the other hand, they're also hurting so many people at the same time. I see a lot of beautiful thin women out there advocating as fat allies but their page is also loaded with fatphobic microaggressions. Their page is loaded with ableism. Their page is loaded with racism. And it's like, okay, so that it's fantastic that you're putting yourself in alignment with your fat sisters and you want to uplift our voices and our messages. I get it. But at the same time, because you have not unpacked your privilege, you're still doing a great deal of harm at the same time. Right. So it's almost, I guess it's like it's jumping the gun for the sake of performing which is i mean you talk about that all the time sure. the concept sure. of performative act- activism which is all over social media and is so easy to fall into especially if you have that privilege and people are listening and they're just waiting for you to do you know the air quote right thing for <laughs> you to be appeased by everyone saying that you did the right thing and it's like 
<laughs> it's just such a clusterfuck, you know? Like, it's just... It's it's like a chicken and the egg sort of situation. It's like, I feel like there's no right answer. I feel like there is somehow a way for allies to be true allies, for people to be able to unpack their privilege. But it, it it's like, it's internal work. And it's not necessarily performative at, at all. And it's not necessarily going to be seen by anyone other than the people in your day-to-day interactions. And it's like, can that be enough? And especially in this social media world where everyone is like looking for so much validation from what people think about them. And then you see this rise of, you know, social justice conversations and, and my God, I mean, it's just, well, this this shit is hard. (laughs) I think that like, I don't think it's about answers. I think it's about conversation. Yeah. Um, Because, I feel like when we think of answers, we we think of them as finite um, and conversations are sort of indefinite. And I think that, you know, social justice and activism and body politics and all of those things are um, like in flux. They're always evolving and devolving and re-evolving. And so to seek answers is almost like to say that, you know, what's what and and, and none of us do. You know what I mean? I thought I had some great answers. I remember the first time um, the actor, uh, Matt McGorry, asked if he could repost or or share something of mine. And I was really scared because I was like, your audience is probably not going to like what I have to say. And that's opening up, Mm -hmm. you know, myself to a million people or however many followers. I think he's got like a million followers. That's opening myself up to be abused by a lot of people. Um, But at the same time, I also didn't know how or what to say because of course I want my message to be shared with as many people as possible but I also don't want to you know be abused um and so I ended up having just several conversations with people you know at the time I was very much against reposting and sharing um because I had been abused by so many people who had kind of mindlessly shared my stuff and tokenized me on their page Mm. when their audience you know wasn't prepared for what I had to say Um, And their audience wasn't um, receptive of my activism. And the person who reposted me largely never engaged with my politics or or my activism at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, how I felt like a year ago when he asked me the first time where I was kind of just like, no, just share me on your stories or so. You know what I mean? I was very like kind of like had an attitude about it. Yeah. Um, But now I'm like, okay. No, definitely share because we want these messages to be spread. However, you need to protect the person you're sharing and you need to engage with their politics and you need to prepare your audience and space for what they're going to encounter. And so, um, yeah, I don't have the answer. The conversation, it's a conversation that constantly is ongoing. Um, yeah. And it doesn't involve like me with one person. I mean, I had the same conversation of how do you share a message without being tokenized and not facing abuse with like 20 other activists and yeah. and got their take on it and, you know, talking to Matt about it. And then we kind of just, you know, ended up wherever we ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree that it is about conversation, but it, I the conversation, I guess, just gets so muddled all the time with personal, <laughs> personal anecdotes, you know, and, and especially I think from people who have so much privilege to take these com- take over the conversation also take the conversation personally and then I think yeah. oftentimes instead of on the other side of that leaning into that to unpack yourself mm-hmm. they it instead becomes performative as the response to I think like that discomfort you know 
Well, I think the expectation isn't on them to unpack. People yeah. use yeah. like knowledge, their privilege, and unpacking my whatever. Like people use those terms really flippantly without ever sitting with what they actually mean. Um, and I, I'm guilty of it myself. You know, I, I talk about you know being able-bodied all the time, and I'm just like, well, what the fuck does that really mean? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, what does it mean? And and what am I? experiencing that people who don't have that privilege aren't. And am I always cognizant of that? Am I always really aware of it? Am I, am I going there before I go into like able-bodied savior, you know? Um, and I think like that's kind of a huge issue is that people are not, um, they're not really sitting with what it really means to have privilege. I think a lot of people's activism is so outward without recognizing that like a lot of activism is its internal work before it's outward output. Mm. I love that. That's going to have to be a little clip <laughs> from this <laughs> pod episode because I feel like a lot of people, myself included, need to hear that. And man, that it hurts the ego, I guess, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> to have to do the internal work yeah. instead. I think it's fascinating that, you know, that we... So I've been doing like just a lot of reading and research and things like that. And I'm, you know, trying to like recenter myself, not only as an ally, but also as an activist. And um, so much of the work that people do in social justice or, you know, jobs that touch on social justice isn't even really about us. You know, I really had to sit and think about like, is my work for me? Like, am I scared that I'm going to be shot by the police or taken off to jail or whatever? Like, what about that really scares me? And I'm like, oh, I'm actually doing this and I'm scared for my children. Mm. You know, <laughs> like what's going to happen if something happens to me, who's going to be able to be here with my children? Um, and so it's like, it's kind of just really thinking about like how much of this is really about you or your ego. When I see a lot of thin allies, you know, fighting for their fat sisters, but it's so centered around themselves and their narratives, which mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the fat experience at all. And I'm just like, okay, but this isn't even about you. It can't be about you. It'll never be about you. Right. You know? It'll never be about you. I love it. That's the truth. That's the truth. Right. And I feel like that's the truth that lies behind true allyship that is hugely missing. I don't know, I don't know if people know how to how to do that because yeah. I think that, you know, we live in a world where everything is very individualized and a lot of success <laughs> and productivity mm -hmm. is uh, centered around making things personal. Um, and I feel like allyship and even activism, you know, it can't be personal. It can't be individual. You know, it has to be about the collective, you know, and it has to be about f the future. So not the present, yeah. not you. And it's hard, I think, to have people still be passionate, but also have them recognize that it's not, you know, about the immediate present and it's not about them. Yeah. Yeah. No, just 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 totally. I mean, the amount the amount of inner work, I think, that it takes to get to that place where you can put your time and your resources, your effort, your passion to be in, in the proper mindset and have the, the actual understanding that you're talking about that lies right. beneath all of this, that lies in so much listening and then not reacting or responding, but just listening <laughs> and then trying to figure your own shit out. Uh, 
cha- challenging and I think especially challenging of course for the one you know the most privileged who have been in like La La Land I mean and it's it's my biggest <laughs> frustration it's my biggest personal frustration in in the yoga and wellness world which I've seen you also uh like touch on a little bit and I, I've loved what you've said because I feel the same sort of like cynicism <laughs> towards this world <laughs> that I work in <laughs> as a fat person and as a fat yoga teacher and how that how that in itself has been challenging and this constant sort of like the epitome of privilege the love and light you know the the, sure. the p- send prayers and love and light and I'm just gonna hide behind this guy's of the peace that I have in my life um right and right I just I can't anymore and it's it's the same thing with if I see one more post about body positivity that's body positivity is for everyone and it's you know it's a thin white woman and a bathing suit <laughs> at the beach and but body body positivity is for everyone and then it's exactly what you're saying but the page is like riddled <laughs> like riddled in fat phobia and all sorts of other things <laughs> and everybody in the comments right would be the oh. same people who would like attack me you right. know what I mean like yeah. it's the same Absolutely. people who are on my videos questioning my health every time I speak <laughs> I just think that it's a really, um, it's a difficult thing to navigate because, you know, how do you explain to somebody, I want you to care, I want you to be supportive, and the best way that you can do that is by financially supporting these communities, by volunteering hands-on, by sharing people's messages after you've engaged with their politics and understand what they truly stand for and have prepped your audience so that you can protect the people that you share. Um, How do you tell people that you want that much out of them, (laughs) but at the same time, you want them to be invisible because they're already represented everywhere? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a hard... I mean, I get it. I, (laughs) I get it. It's hard, but that's what we need, though, right? Yeah. We we don't need a thin yoga teacher saying, "Hey guys, it's totally okay because fat yoga teachers can teach you the same thing. Get into it." That's not what we need. Right. What we need is fat yoga teachers speaking for themselves, showing off their work, showing up themselves, and being allowed to hold the microphone and head the table at the same time. Yeah. Not share a microphone and yes. maybe get feet at the table. We should be heading the table. You should have the microphone. Um, exactly. I think that that's, that's what people don't understand. It's like, it's not enough for you to give us a little doggy bag to take away. We want to be in charge of the menu. We want to prepare the meal and we want to serve it the way we feel it should be served. <laughs> yes, totally. And we should be allowed to do that. We should be allowed to desire those things and to have those things. And I'm sick of sharing the mic while also being profited off of for having the mic oh, in sure. my hand for two seconds. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, it's like, here, here's the mic for a little while, but also, like, only because I can make money off of you having the mic in your hand for a minute. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's why I don't want to share the mic. I don't right. want to share the mic. Like, just give it to me. I'll take it from here. Pack your bags. <laughs> go on your way. Like, I got it. I just feel like there's just this, this, this underlying fear of giving marginalized people too much power. Totally. And I think that that's why people feel like it's a sufficient mindset to just be like we're sharing the mic there's a seat at the table and it's like i really don't need this flavorless food at this table like i really don't need this oh i love it well it's just like it's not that i want to sit at the table with you it's that i want the table to change you know what i mean it's like the whole overhead needs to change 
I'm not interested in these uncomfortable chairs. I'm not interested in this meal. Like, there's literally nothing about this entire, like, situation that I want to be a part of. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't understand why people feel like it's it's sufficient to say, hey, I'm going to make some space for you within my privilege, but only under my control and right. only within my comfort. Right. That's not what we want. And I feel, you know... I, un- I would never criticize a marginalized person for feeling like that should suffice because that, again, that's, we're all fed those messages. Like that's it. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. If you're marginalized, you're supposed to hate yourself because you're dangerous and you're unattractive and you're unvaluable. Mm-hmm. Like we, we get those messages too. So I'd never hate a marginalized person for feeling like that should suffice, but coming on the other end <laughs> of my own, you know, evolution and kind of changing my mind about things, I, it's not enough for it to have a seat at the table. It's just not. Yeah. It's not enough to share the stage because it doesn't, it's almost like, yeah, we're sitting at the same table, but who's going to be served first? Like if this is a family meal and we're all welcome, you want to serve the head of the household first. And that's always going to be a privileged person before it's me. Totally. Well, and the privileged person has to be there to justify why you're there. And that's, that's the problem with sharing the mic, right? Ridiculous. It's so, but yeah, absolutely. It's so ridiculous, but that is, that's exactly the way that it goes. Those are the rules of engagement. Yes, exactly. Well, and it's because what you want, what you're speaking of dismantles everything. Like I was popping off on my story the other day, like specifically about yoga and wellness world again. And I was like, y'all yoga teachers, I'm watching you all out here profiting extraordinarily off of diet culture, which has no place, no place in the yoga world or in any part of it that I would like to be involved in. But you need that and you will sell and perpetuate and feed into that because you need it to to commodify it. <laughs> so it's like what we're yeah, talking absolutely. about just dismantles the the ability for, I guess, everybody in the most privileged place to like be safe and like make their money and like, you know, Well, that's what I try to explain to people is like, you know, privilege is really a synonym for power. And when you challenge it, you disempower people. The problem is that people in places of privilege, their power comes from hurting marginalized people. Their power is very intimately tied to systemic oppression. And it's like they want to help you because oppressing people is bad and wrong. But what they don't recognize is that everything every sense of power and entitlement that they have is tied to our harm. Yep. And those things can't coexist. Yep. Well, because in order for them to take that on, there has to be a risk involved. And it's like, what are you, what are you re- willing to risk? Like, are you willing to risk your followers? Are you willing to risk money? Are you willing to risk your time and your resources? Are you willing to risk your life in the way right. <laughs> that others sure, can't sure. avoid risking? And, and that's, again, where another gap lies but i think you know i think it's really interesting because it's i don't know that's something that i really find hard when i try to enter uh like a collaborative space or discussion with people in places of privilege just because you you talk to them about equity and you know the fact that there is a risk involved and um you get into this conversation where they you know, entitlement power comes into play and they're just like, well, under these circumstances, I'm okay taking that risk. And it's like, no, 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 no. You do not have the power to decide (laughs) Mm -hmm. how that's going to play out because you're gambling with my life and access to resources. 
Right. So and you don't really get to avoid to the risk. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. The risk is a and constant. I think that that's something that people don't recognize because when you're in a place of privilege, you know, I, I think about that being able-bodied, you know, um, mm. I don't remember when it was about a year ago, somebody was just like, you think that disabilities rights is about, you know, what X, Y, and Z. And the person was just like, no, it is about safety. My life is literally threatened in an, a world that is not accessible. And I was just like, Oh shit. Mm. Like I felt that, you know, just being a black person where I'm just like the police more often than not are a direct threat to my life. They are not helpful, you know? Um, and there's such a lack of accountability that, you know, it pretty much renders my life almost, I don't know, insignificant in so many ways. There's nothing I can do about that. And it's like, it just hit me that I was just thinking like, oh my God, I didn't realize that it was about something completely different because of my privilege. Sure. And I don't think that people, I, I don't know, I just feel like anymore, like people have to really start unpacking their privilege and understanding um, themselves and where they sit within this cycle before they can actually begin to advocate for anybody else under any circumstances whatsoever. Yeah. Because totally. I don't think that people get it. You know, I don't think that they understand it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I think that, you know, I think that anything that doesn't come from that is just precarious. You know, anything that doesn't come from an, a true understanding of how privilege has functioned in said person's life, anything that any type of activism or allyship that stems from that is simply precarious. It's like waiting to be like <laughs> shaken up and shaken apart, of course, because you're always going to fall back in some way, the same way you're talking about you know, someone will be an ally in one way, but then the page is like riddled with racism and all sorts of, you <laughs> yeah. know, whatever it is. It's that. It's that if you don't unpack it that way, everything you're doing is precarious in every way because you're going to just keep falling back to the privilege that you're blind to. Absolutely. And I, you know, I don't know. I'm still, you know, trying to like piece together how to talk about that with people um, because everybody wants to do the right thing and they want to be a good person. And it's like, I don't think they recognize how much work is involved in doing those things. <coughs> Excuse me. I have allergies. No worries. But, um, <laughs> and I do think that, you know, it sounds like it's an easy thing. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, figure out this and what I'm blind to and how I'm hurting people. And it's like, it's not, it doesn't just stop there with acknowledging it and making a checklist. Like, okay, I got it. Moving right. on. Right. <coughs> it really involves making amends. It involves taking ownership and like, like beyond responsibility, but also a sense of accountability because I think making amends is a part of accountability. Um, mm. It involves like reparations and things like that. And I think like that's what I'm learning is a really essential part of unpacking your privilege. I mean, sure, we can all acknowledge and list out ways in which we've got privilege over other people. But what are we doing to reconcile that? You know what I mean? Like, how right. are we kind of giving back, I guess, in a way? You know what I mean? Like, totally. Awareness we- isn't enough. Awareness isn't enough. And I don't think that you can be an effective ally if you're not willing to pay reparations or make amends or, right. you know, do those difficult things. And a lot of people aren't. You know what I mean? Yep. They're just like, well, I'm here and I support you. And I'm like, that's fantastic. That is wonderful. But you're always going to do harm if you're not being held accountable for the harm that you've already done. Mm. 
Yeah. If there's no consequence, you're always going to default back onto your privilege. You're always going to defend privilege mm-hmm. as soon as you recognize that it's really being taken from you. If you're not like being accountable, if you're not paying for those things and, and actively contributing to equity, like if you're mm-hmm. not doing that, you're always going to default back to being harmful. Totally. I mean, it's the same, it's the same way I had like two different instances in the last couple of days where, uh, a white person, different white people were comfortable saying (laughs) things around me because I'm white (laughs) that I'm sure that they wouldn't say (laughs) in other scenarios. (laughs) And as, as soon as called out for it, it's like total shock because in the comfort of privilege and in the comfort of whiteness and equating with privilege and and your own (laughs) safety, like you'll free, (laughs) you'll, you'll, people will say whatever they want. People will do all the harm in the world. And then I start wondering to myself, I'm like, well, how many of these people are the same people who are the epitome of this sort of performative activism? And is it, is that actually (laughs) just the epitome of like true harm, like real violence, (laughs) violence to marginalized folk in in all ways, all of them. I have a friend, (laughs) wonderful friend. um, And she always equates thinness with being healthy. And I'm just like, okay, so Mm. how do you feel about me? Right. And I'm just like, you know, and she's like, oh, well, I would never, you know, say that about you. It's not like, it's not you. I know you, but like other people and (laughs) you're not that fat, you know? So it's like, okay. And you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, wow, like, damn, son, do you really like, do you really interact with fat people like this behind Mm -hmm. my back? Mm -hmm. Like, how? And and the justification, the justification, (laughs) like that, that the friend is imposing that is so ingrained that I've again experienced. It's like nobody wants to pay attention to the fat yoga teacher unless the fat yoga teacher is extraordinary, unless the fat yoga teacher is doing Mm -hmm. incredible things with their body. That is just, it's like a circus. It's like a show, you know, it's like, (laughs) and that's why I had to just, you know, completely sort of like revamp and re-navigate and just get myself out of that space because it was like it it was like I blinked and all of a sudden it was just like tokenized commodified like I mean it happens really quickly yeah and it's scary because something that I've had in my own personal experience um I was kind of for like a minute part of the way that I grew my following is a lot of popular Bopo accounts were sharing my stuff and I was very very like just into body acceptance at that point because I was trying to figure out how I felt about my own body Mm -hmm. and I chose to do it publicly um and so a lot of my stuff was shared and I was kind of like just this golden child but I didn't realize how quickly and how easily that could be taken away from me um the moment that I recognized that there was a lot of racism within Um, body positivity and a lot of fat phobia and the moment I started you know questioning it and talking about it openly I was blacklisted so fast I didn't know what happened you know Mm. and so I had to really like think about things where I was just like okay you know in that situation I felt powerful because my numbers were growing and reflective of my being influential Mm. but the fact of the matter is I never had that power my numbers truly were reflective of how nice I was playing for people who did have power yep. over my space. Yep. Totally. Totally can, can understand <laughs> and relate to that for sure. And I mean, and that's what happens. Like that's what happens I think. And that's where I think uh, activism and allyship either or start to kind of 
go awry <laughs> is like right <laughs> then and there, right? It's right yeah. then and there yeah. when you start confusing um, what that power actually is and what that impact actually is. And if it's just sort of like the appeasement for yourself based on the standard that we're supposed to be living up to, or is it mm-hmm. actually uh, like true power that's actually creating change and, and is also actually who you are. Like how much are right. you going, you were just talking about this. How much are you going to shift and change and, and morph yourself into exactly what everybody wants? To, I mean, and then you've lost it and then you've lost yeah. the whole point. And I think that it's hard, you know, I, I have a lot of, you know, conversations with just different people kind of behind the scenes and, you know, and their work and things like that. And, um, <clears throat> who they collaborate with and who they engage with and refuse to engage with and things like that. And I was just like, you know, there's so much that we feel is authentic and real and true. And, um, it's not <laughs> right. Right. So much, so many people are puppets because they're so desperate to get their message out that they are okay with sacrificing their independence, their authenticity, um, and their power. They're okay with like, you know, exchanging that for publicity and popularity. Um, and it's so difficult, like for people, I guess, like in my position where, you know, that I feel like that's kind of unacceptable because it encourages the idea that people who have privilege and entitlement can still, um, kind of disempower us right and rewrite our narratives in a way that is you know not only like palatable but also safe for them yep um and their safety the flip side of that coin is always going to be our silence disappearing and disempowerment yep i mean just just a (laughs) hundred percent just a hundred percent totally and it's just you know even in my little microcosm of like fat yoga teacher in wellness world that I've been trying to navigate. I've just, I see all of this just time and time and time again. And just, you know, in the, I remember in the very beginning, in the very, very beginning, because there are others, I mean, there are certainly other fat yoga teachers. Uh, they're just not also young, able-bodied white <laughs> and all of the other things that are sure, palatable sure. to people. And I recognize that from the beginning and I see these other people and I'm like, I know why, they're not hiring you. Like, I know why you're not, you know, the person that they're plugging for this clothing line where, where they're so excited to come and get me because it's this, it's this show. <laughs> it's this big show as opposed to um, being something that is actually authentic and is meaningful and is actually true representation. And I think that it, this is also where it's like, I'm so done with mediocre, like being enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the other thing is, like the more marginalized you are and you start to sort of like get into these collaborative spaces with people with more yeah. privilege and power than you. And you, mm-hmm. you, that starts to get really muddy. I think that it really does. Um, and I think that it's, you, you get yourself in this position where you have to like really wonder, you know, what is the intent behind it and what is the focus and what is the desired outcome um, cause a lot of people will be like, oh my gosh, you know, we just love your work. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you need a black person yep. is what I'm hearing, you know? <laughs> um, or, you know, we just love your style. Okay. So I am, I'm fat, but not fat, you know, to the point where it makes you uncomfortable. Like I'm a size 18. So yep. that's, that's, we can work with 18, you know, and I'm tall, you know, and if you position the camera, right, I don't look a size 18. I probably look like a size 10. Right. So as long as your angles are popping 
and you know I wear a nice wig so my hair doesn't look nappy you got your black fat person and, and we're yep. good like that's really what they're saying yep. but they say things like we love your style you've got a great smile you're so eloquent and your attitude is great mm-hmm. and you know things like that but what they're really saying is we need to check off these diversity boxes yep and you fit into them but you don't scare people exactly not too much of anything exactly it's ashley graham i mean it's it's like it's ashley graham in in bopo world like right it's like the epitome of that it's like the snatched jawline and like the hourglass shape and like the totally flat belly and just (laughs) all you know the 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 version of fat which i mean (laughs) the version of fat that the world is ready for <laughs> like, which does nothing for me you know what i mean like and that's the whole point like at the end but of the day that mediocrity does nothing <laughs> that's what i try to tell people is like this idea because you know people I, who was i having a conversation with i don't remember it was a couple of months ago there was something something that popped up some ad or something like that and somebody um was very upset with me they felt like i just had like this really nasty attitude about whatever this ad was and they were like there's a fat person there so what is your problem Mm. and i was like why are we okay with there being a fat person yep why should i have to be okay with not seeing a disabled fat person and a fat person and a fat person of color and a trans fat person like why can we only have one safe looking Mm -hmm fat person and that's it well and and also how little you have to give like uh, i i won't say the name but a a clothing company in the yoga in the yoga world that i i see people run to defend uh Mm -hmm. because they they do show all bodies is what i hear all the time no like when i say they don't (laughs) i mean they do not and they have maybe one or two token not fat like curvy curvy people i mean like straight sizes straight size just curvy um but how quickly people will use those tokens to say no look like they're doing a good job (laughs) they're showing and and just how blind we actually are to what diversity actually looks like which is so wild to me it's not blindness to diversity i really think that the greatest accomplishment of intergenerational systemic oppression is that we tell ourselves that mediocrity or even less than is enough. And we tell ourselves that, hey, at least there's one of us there, so we're making it. You know, yeah. we can't even conceptualize, we can't fathom what an entire TV show with fat bodies would look like. Yeah. Or we can't fucking imagine what a movie where the president is, you know, has an impairment but they're still powerful and they're right. still commanding nations. We don't know what that looks like. Our mind won't even like go there. Yep. You know, instead we are trained through violence and systemic oppression that that's not something for us. Yep. And if something comes close enough or is good enough, if they just throw somebody in there that's representative of our, of our community, that's enough. And we should be thankful. Yeah. Th- that's exactly what it is. Like, like, we should be grateful. <laughs> we should be grateful for the seat, <laughs> for the seat yeah. at the table, for the mic for two minutes that we should be grateful. <laughs> and yeah. And it's like, and I fall, I fall in and out of sometimes I do feel that sometimes I'm like, Oh yes, like this is great. But then I, I, I unpack it a little bit more and I'm like, wait, <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's not really that great. And what I've also recognized is like, now that I've sort of done this 
this or am doing <laughs> this transition from like self-love like you know all about self-love to like actually talking about things that impact people and are a little sure. more weighted um than that um as I do that I just realize like I don't know just how easy it is how easy it is to fall into that because that's what we're used to exactly like you said that's what we're used to seeing you can't even imagine something else like I can't even imagine a show a tv show like with all fat people that didn't revolve around justifying their fatness or being about health or being about like anything other than what you know a privileged bodied person could be in a show like and it's just the fact that I can't even I can't even fathom that. It's like, ouch. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it, but I think, like, that's a really important part to activism for me in terms of, like, body, po- body politics is because I feel like we should be challenging to have those images. Yeah. And we should be pushing for spaces that are reflective of the future we'd like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like, that's probably for me, one of the biggest failures of body positivity um, is that it lost sight of a future that ultimately was reflective of what that space, you know, is fighting for. Right. Um, and so, you know, and, and I also feel like, you know, I want to see more, you know, fat directors and casters and producers and, you know, independent filmmakers and artists and things like that who are who ultimately drive our you know world's perception of reality you know um just if you think about the the consumption of mass media from advertisements to tv you name it you know we're fully submerged in these messages and in these visuals all day long could you imagine what a world that was you know I don't know, like, I like to call it, like, authentic depictions, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, minus the archetypes, minus, Mm -hmm. you know, the caricatures. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine what coming into contact with that kind of imagery all day would look like? Like, who you would be as a result of that, you know? Um, It's it's a world that I honestly can't even, I can't even picture. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, I totally, I mean, I remember when I first started, like, doing any of this work, and especially when I first started talking to middle schoolers and high schoolers and thinking back to being that age and, and I, not being able to really fathom what it would have been like to see power, poor, portrayed powerful, fat women in mainstream media. Like, I, I mean, I can't. Who knows? Because it would be so different. (laughs) I would be a completely different person. My life would be completely different had that marginalization, ostracization not dominated my my life for so long until I decided that I was going to step away from that and in turn like, yes, be able to sort of free myself up in a lot of ways. What you were talking about in the beginning about like being able to sort of be... um, you can have external enemies, but especially not to be your own enemy, uh, to the best of your ability, um, which is not easy to do when you also have external enemies around you, making it really difficult to show up. And then you're going to show up as someone who's already, you know, the world is violent towards you. And then you subject yourself to more violence by being seen and by being vocal and by trying to educate 
and to do this work is like you said subjecting yourself to to violence <laughs> absolutely yeah it i mean it really is um and i guess i guess <laughs> that kind of like my expectation i guess of allies is to soften the blow to like really yeah. decenter their voices and their visibility and to soften the blow and to be like protectors you know um I just wish sometimes that people in places of privilege who consider themselves allies would consider their position, their positioning, um, and begin to reposition themselves as protectors. Um, Mm. I just feel like the world, like, I just feel like the work that I do as an activist and the work that we all do, you know, even just living as marginalized people, as political, you know, just that, that existence would be so different if all of our allies positioned themselves as, as like protective obstacles. Totally. Um, it and would be a whole different experience. It is protection. And I mean, you're, you're so, I love that. You're so right in that because the, the, the issue is that the marginalized folk need to feel safe. <laughs> and in right. order to do that, the people who are claiming to be allies do need to come in and be willing to protect and not center themselves around that, but to center the person who is not feeling safe while also trying to put themselves out there in that way, which is, we've decided through this conversation, <laughs> necessary <laughs> for any actual change is to be able to center yeah. those voices and those experiences. But somebody has to be there to protect them if you can't protect yourself. And it's, I think it's the same reason that, like you said, you can't, you know, you can't feel hateful and get mad at marginalized folks for, for settling in any way. And I resonate with that so much. I understand that because I have felt like that various times in my life feeling like, can I take it? (laughs) Like, can I take um, engaging one more person in a conversation about why, um, you know, I should be able to speak without somebody questioning my health and how many times I wished <laughs> that somebody you know, in a privileged like body that, would come forward so and explain that for me. You know what I mean? But, but do you, like, I, I'm not even joking. Like, do you hear how, like, nonchalant you said that I should be able to speak? Yes. <laughs> without like, people questioning my health. Truly. Like, why is that something that we say so lightly? It's uh, you have to laugh at that. Like, yeah. why? Why is that even a, a sentence that we so regularly form? Mm-hmm. It's it's you would never hear like a thin person no. stand up and just be like, I should be able to have a word here without you guys <laughs> criticizing my body and health. Oh my God. Like, like, literally, though, it's exhausting. I mean, it's exhausting, especially when like so much personally, so much of my work has shifted from conversations about bodies because I feel like there are others um, who can have those conversations in a lot of ways more effectively than I can. And a lot of my conversation has shifted to sort of more philosophical stuff and stuff about mm-hmm. self-awareness and sort of internal work. And it continues to just, it, it it's bewildered me even more as I've distanced <laughs> myself from that tokenized fat yoga teacher into, you know, someone who I'm not going to show you anything fancy, but you're going to listen to me anyway. And somehow only in those instances do I get the nonstop fat shaming and health questioning and all of those things. But when I'm being impressive in some way, it's not there. And it will never cease to just, I mean, it fucks with my head. It fucks with my head. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like a little identity crisis, you know, you know? I just think it's really, but like I said, I mean, could you fathom, like, those are words that would never leave a thin person's mouth. I just think it's so, like... Yeah, you're right. The the ways in which we can regularly verbalize our systemic oppression mm. and all of the symptoms that come along with it 
for example, being able to speak. <laughs> it's like, it oh. breaks my heart, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. breaks my heart that it's such a part of our daily existence um, that that we don't recognize how significant it is that we re- we can't get a sentence out without people attacking us for our bodies. Yeah. Like, I feel like people don't don't really um, appreciate the gravity of that. Yeah. No, I'm like literally, I'm like tearing up a little bit over here, honestly, <laughs> just thinking about how right you are. And like, even myself, it's like, I, I, I do say that so casually because that's been, I mean, it's been my whole life, but then it's especially been my life being very public on the internet in the last five years. And um, I do say that shit so nonchalantly, but it's no joke. And it is, it's like, it's so tiring and frustrating. And then to also not be believed, you know, to not, you know, (laughs) to not be believed in your experiences and in the ways that this systemic discrimination actually impacts you. Like I'll, I'll explain it and people will tell me no. And I'm like, are you fat? (laughs) Are you fat? And have you had this experience? So why are you telling me that this is not real? Well, I mean, you know, that's a, a really, Something that I hadn't recognized before, um, I had a conversation with um, Melissa, yours truly Melly. Well, she deactivated her account, but formerly yours truly Melly. Yeah. We were talking about, you know, just some issues that we'd had, you know, with different groups of people and kind of unpacking it and processing it. And Melissa was really uncomfortable with acknowledging that she desired validation. And mm. um, I picked up on it very quickly um, without realizing, uh, the weight of, of what I was unpacking, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was just like, you know, to live a life in a marginalized body is to live a life devoid of validation. And you also internalize that you're unworthy of, of validation. Mm-hmm. You're unworthy of being heard. Um, and you come to expect it because you've internalized it and you kind of develop calloused skin around that. Um, yeah. And we forget that, you know, part of the human experience is validation. Um, and that we should be expecting validation, you know? Um, and that we should be feeling as though we are not only worthy of it, but that it should be within our grasp to have validation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like validation is so far beyond my grasp that I don't know if it's even worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that, that that's, I have to do some thinking about that. <laughs> You're like, I'm like, every time I listen to you or we talk, I'm just like, oh man, Bree's got me out here. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> fucked up <laughs> from the conversation. It's just like, now you have me thinking because I, I, I talk all the time about external validation. And I, I believe a lot of what I say about not needing external validation to a certain extent but now it's like now you have me thinking how much of that is my own deflection of not being able to be validated you know that's how you human oh my goodness that's how you human humans are an interdependent species you got me out here rely on connection we rely on validation yeah um and there's nothing wrong with that but because we don't get it we've told ourselves that we don't need it yeah. That it's not important. When or or really you end up morphing. Is. Yeah. One absolutely. or the other. You decide you don't yeah. need it and you become like hard, you know, in that yeah. callous mm-hmm. skin in that way. Or 
you end up like you become the circus. <laughs> like, and I feel like I've been on both ends of that spectrum <laughs> to get the value. Yeah. Right. I mean, wow. You just like blew my mind open with that because it's so true. And like, I, I've, I, I recognize that calloused skin in myself um, so much. And, and in ways it's like, it's, forced me and sort of given me the space to do a lot of internal work to become um, my best sort of cheerleader when in times when sure. I feel like nobody else will or, or when I, you know, and I, I didn't really grow up around other fat people. Like I didn't have fat people yeah. in my life or were my friends, you know, none of my friends were fat and people didn't understand. And so mm -hmm. because of that, I just wrote off that anybody ever would, I guess, and and learned not to need it. Yeah, you, I mean, you're so right. You're so but, right. But, you know, and, and it's okay. You know, I don't want to make it seem like it's a, it's a one or the other type of thing. I think that no, we should, for we sure. should all be able to sort of um, engage in sort of, I don't want to call it self-care because I recognize that means different things to people. But we mm -hmm. should all be able to engage in, like, self-consolation, if that makes sense. Like, we should yeah. be able to console ourselves, congratulate ourselves to... You know, a lot of that should come internally. However, um, it's also at the same time important um, for marginalized people to have a comprehensive human experience. And part of that is experiencing an interconnectedness with other people, yeah. which isn't something that marginalized people oftentimes get. Yeah. And I, and I think, yeah, yeah. And that's why this conversation about validation specifically as a marginalized person is is a different conversation than yeah, a conversation about yeah. validation yeah. for anybody else and you're you're so right about that and i think that's also where self-love and body positivity again have gotten muddled up the difference between the way that society interacts with you the way people treat and interact with you and, and the way systems discriminate against you and impact your life versus how you see yourself and and what your internal battle is because i don't know anybody who doesn't deal with body image bullshit you know throughout their lives i mean everybody i know feels that way but not everybody is impacted externally by those things and not everybody has this hard calloused shell because they've never gotten that validation just for sure. existing in the body that they have absolutely absolutely and i think that hmm. Again, that's just another place that body positivity falls short because that's definitely a community and a space in which those stories should be told in abundance and should be told, you know, through authenticity and through vulnerability. And um, <clears throat> instead, what you get is a lot of people being tokenized and then you get a lot of people who can't relate to that heartache. I mean, I just feel like it's heartbreaking that a marginalized person dare not open up about the need for validation. Like we're taught, like it's almost a sin if you're in a marginalized body, you love yeah. yourself, but don't you dare seek that love or that validation and acceptance from outside sources. Mm. Um, and so I just wish that, you know, when, when I see people opening up about it in body positive spaces, you know, marginalized people, you know, opening up about that heartache, what I find is a lot of people in places of privilege and power offering the validation and saying, here, you now have permission to be vulnerable and you, I'm going to give you validation because you are serving as my trauma porn for the moment. Mm. And, you know, things like <laughs> that, that just really upsets me because it's like, we don't, we shouldn't be gifted 
a, a, a temporary pass for validation. It should be something that is given to us right. without question, without a fight, um, and something that we should always have regular access to as we need it. Exactly. The comments are pointless because it's not about a moment in time. It's it's not about right. you validating this photo of me. It's about you literally <laughs> validating my existence and for me to be able to feel safe in the world and to be treated well, because with the respect. Well, the same ones that turn around and <laughs> will, like, shit on you yes. later on. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. When you cross the line and say right. something or do something that no longer fits into their idea of what is acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I think like, that's that's the hard part for me. Um, I, I talk a lot about you know just being black. The reason I kind of shifted a lot of the discussions on my page, I was talking a lot of like a lot about body centric activism and body politics and body image, and I just recognized that within all these conversations and spaces, um, they were really devoid of like anything that had to do with race or ethnicity. And anybody who brought up race or ethnicity within these conversations was silenced so mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was just like, well, guess I know what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> um, because I recognized that that was just something that wasn't a, like those two things could coexist. We can't talk about racial justice and body positivity or body politics or body image. Um, but what I recognize a lot on my page is, you know, as I share about my black experience and, you know, things that I have going on, people are like, oh my gosh, you beautiful black queen, we love you. And then the next <laughs> post, I'll be like, okay, well, you want to know who the, the number one perpetrator in my life is? It's, it's, oh, newsflash, it's white people. Yeah. And the same person who was, yes, black queening me on a previous post will be like, not all white people, yep. I'm going to burn you at the cross. It's like, yep. <laughs> I hate those comments. I totally. see those comments and I always like the people who have the most to say in terms of validation for marginalized people, I always click on their profile and their, you know, diet culture mm -hmm. and yoga lotties, you know, mm -hmm. kale will save your life. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Those are always the people with the most val like superficial validation to offer. And I'm not mad at a marginalized pa person for soaking that up. We're so starved for it, man. You know, we are. Um, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with true. being starved up for, of it because that's part of being human. And, and for me to get mad at a marginalized person for needing that validation is for me to further dehumanize mm -hmm. yep. other marginalized people. Totally agree. Totally agree. That's amazing. Well, somehow we've already been talking for an hour. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh! I don't know how that happened so fast, but I guess we better wrap it up. Do, I, do you feel like you have anything else pressing that you want to say? No, no. It's been a wonderful experience. Yeah, it really has. I've been, I've enjoyed talking to you. I would love to talk to you more <laughs> again, and I, I really do. I, please tell everyone again where um, we can find your work and where we can pay you. <laughs> um, I am um, at Sassy Latte at Sassy underscore Latte on Instagram. I do have a Patreon account where I kind of unpack social justice. Most of my content on Patreon is at the $1 level. So for $1 a month, you get over a year's worth of content. Um, and of course you can, you know, feel free to pledge more if your heart desires. Um, and yeah, so, and all of that information is linked in my highlights on Instagram and in my bio. Awesome. There you have it folks. Please go listen to Brie because they honestly 
You just do a lot of you do a lot of amazing work. <laughs> you really Thank do, and you. I'm, I'm very appreciative of you because you have you have single handedly shifted my own uh, understanding of activism, of allyship, and and what it means for me to be marginalized in the way that I am, and just everything that we've talked about. I just thank you so much. Thank you, thank you again. That validation, man. <laughs> I know, I know, and it, feel, it just feels good to talk to you. You know, it feel it it feels it's it's emotionally overwhelming how relieving it it feels to talk to somebody who really does get it, who really does yeah, understand no, because it's it's few and far between. I, I definitely can relate and I definitely like want to echo those sentiments a hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you. Hi friends, Dana here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of deep dive. If you want more radical truth, make sure you subscribe. You can also keep up with me across social media at Dana Falsetti or visit my website, danafalsetti.com to find workshops, speaking engagements, or take an online class. See you next time.